I think we could all say that, who am I? But we could say it like Paul when he said, I am chiefest among sinners. <laughs> Maybe y'all weren't, but I was. Chiefest among sinners. I have a message in my heart. <clears throat> that God gave me two days ago and it scared me because he always changes me when he gives me sermons that early. <laughs> <clears throat> but as I read the passage of scripture and you may go ahead and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 15. I read the story I thought about so many people that I've talked to over the years uh, in ministry that I'm astounded by the mindset of present-day Christians in this sense. They seemingly want to see how close to the world they can live and still get to heaven. Instead of having the mindset of how close can I live to God and still stay in this world. Amen. I'm reminded of a man named Enoch. He walked with God in such a way that he was no more. He just went to be with the Lord. I want to encourage us as a body of Christ in that there's an old time word that we don't hear anymore that scares us and it's called holiness without which no man shall see God. And tonight is not a beat you up, slap your wrist message. It's a message of an invitation for each and every one of us beginning with me actually started two days ago with me, of examining myself. And I want to encourage you to examine yourself. Judge yourself. The Bible says for every man to examine himself and to see if he be of the faith. See if you're in that right place with God that you need to be. Judge yourself in honesty and in openness and in sincerity with a holy and righteous God that is just and does the right thing every time. Probably going to take me longer to read the passage of Scripture than to share what God has placed in my heart. It's 35 verses. I may have to take a water break halfway through. But we read in the 14th chapter of the 52nd verse where fierce war with the Philistines all of the days of Saul's life. And I want to talk to you for just a few moments tonight about a king who threw away his crown. A kingdom that was decimated. And I want to encourage you tonight to make your calling and election sure. 
Take out your spiritual pen and your spiritual paper and grade your paper as we read this passage, chapter 1 of verse 15, I mean verse 1 of chapter 15. Samuel also said to Saul, now Samuel's the prophet, said, the Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now, therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel and how he ambushed him on the way when they came up from Egypt. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and do not spare them. But kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep and camel and donkey. So Samuel gathered the people together and numbered them in Tedium, 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to the city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the Kenites, Go, depart, get down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them, for you showed kindness to all of the children of Israel when they came up from Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. And Saul attacked the Amalekites from Hevla all the way to Shur, from the east of Egypt. He also took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the rest of the she the best of the sheep, the oxen and the fatlings, the lambs and all that was good. They were unwilling to utterly destroy them all. But everything despised and worthless they utterly destroyed. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel the prophet, saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel and he cried out to the Lord all night. So when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul went to Carmel, and indeed he set up a monument for himself and has gone on around, passed by, and gone down to Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. But Samuel said, what then is that bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, I have brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said to Saul, be quiet. And I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, Speak on. So Samuel said, When you were little and in your own eyes, when you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king of Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. When then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why not? Why did you not then obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Samuel said, Saul said to Samuel, But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, king of Amalek. And I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites 
But the people took the plunder, the sheep and the oxen, the best of things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as of the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is an iniquity of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and in your words because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. And as Samuel turned around to go away, Saul seized the sword, the edge of his robe, and it tore. So Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. And also the strength of Israel will not lie nor relent. For he is not a man that he should relent. Then he said, I have sinned. Yet honor me now, please, before the elders of my people and before Israel, and return with me that I may worship the Lord your God. So Samuel turned back after Saul, and Saul worshiped the Lord. Then Samuel said, Bring Agag, king of the Amalekites, here to me. So Agag came to him cautiously, and Agag said, Surely the bitterness of death is past. But Samuel said, As your sword has made women ch uh, childless, so shall your mother be childless among women. And so, uh, Samuel hacked Agag to pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up to his house of Gilba, Gibeah of Saul. And Samuel went no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. I want to talk to you for just a few moments about the steps that were involved in Saul throwing his crown away so that we can learn from them and we can glean from that something to keep us from being in a position that we forfeit our spiritual birthrights. God doesn't want us to perish he says in his word clearly, Beloved, I would that none should perish, but that all should pass from death unto life. You've not been stamped out of a cookie cutter and predestined before time who would go to hell and who would go to heaven. The Lord knows in his omnipotence. He knows in his foreknowledge those who will receive him as, Christ, as their Savior, and he knows who won't. But he sets life and death before each and every one of us, and he tells us to choose. Choose life. He wants us to embrace the work of Calvary. He wants us to turn to the cross and not just be saved, but then embrace him as Lord of our life. Begin to seek him. Begin to pursue him through the pages of his word and learning to have a spiritual ear to hear the voice of the Lord speak into our life so that he can teach us and show us how we should walk and how that we should live so that he can direct our paths and guide our steps so that he can take us 
from victory to victory. You see, he's not intended for his children to be victims, but victors. He's called for us to be more than conquerors in Christ. He's called for us to be overcomers. He's called for us to be the light of the world. He's called us to be the salt of this earth. He's called us to be the example that would be before sinful man that they could look at someone that says, hey, I'm a Christian, I'm a child of God and live their life in a way that they'll see something different in them that they'll desire to become a Christian too. You see, it's the goodness of God that causes men to repentance. It's not judgment of the church or judgment of saints. It's the goodness of God that causes men to come to repentance. And you're his hand extended. You're you're his voice that will be heard. But you only need to speak what you hear him speak. You know, Jesus said, I can say nothing that I don't hear my father say. And I can do nothing that I don't see my father do. It's time that we as flesh and blood people shut up and learn to speak what the Spirit of God says. It's time that we, as I started off saying, cease to crucify our flesh so that we don't even want to see how close we can live to the world and just barely make it into heaven. It's time that we crucify our flesh so that we can get to the place that we hunger and thirst for righteousness, that we hunger and thirst for the will of God in our lives, that we desperately and passionately want God's stamp of approval on our life more than what man can bestow upon us. Sounds like I'm showing my age, don't it? Getting a little hellfire and brimstone here. I want you to know the truth of the matter is this. It says that if you're a friend of the world, you're at enmity with God. Now, we live in the world, and we should live a life of love. We should love those that wrongfully and despitefully use us. We should love those that bless us and curse us. We should love those. We don't have to approve their lifestyle, but we need to love them right where they are. I heard it said this way one time. It's not original to me, but after tonight it will be. It's our responsibility that he's made us fishers of men. We're to go catch fish, and he's to clean them. You see, here's the thing. If a person, man or woman, young or old, boy or girl, has a desire and a passion to know him, to know him, You can. But you have to seek him. You have to pursue him. You have to invest your time, your life into a relationship with him. You have to desire to know what his thoughts are as far as how you're living. You have to be willing. Now, you don't always wind up giving it up, but you have to be willing to give something up. How many of you know who Alan Bach is? Good God, I thought we had some cowboys in here. (laughs) Alan Bach was, I think, four-time world champion. Isn't that right, John? Team roper. And I I had the privilege of doing a roping school with him up in Oklahoma. And he reached a place to where he said, he, he laid his rope down. Keep in mind, this is the way he made his living. This was his identity. This is what he did. Wasn't who he was. But it's what he did. 
And he laid his rope down. And he says, God, if you want me to lay my rope down and quit, I'm done. I'm glad God didn't require him to do so and allowed him to pick it back up and to continue roping. But you see, that story is just like Abraham and Isaac upon that mount when he laid his son upon that altar of sacrifice and was willing to kill him. He was willing to kill him. Now, before they went up that mountain, down at the base of the mountain, if you remember, Abraham told those two young guys that were traveling with him, he says, y'all stay here with the asses while me and the lad go yonder and worship. But we will return to you. You see, Abraham had a confidence that if he wound up killing Isaac, that God would raise him up. Didn't come to that. He's got him on the altars and he rears back with the knife and God stopped him. And he said, whoa, hold up. Don't go no further. Now I see and I know that thou hast withheld nothing from me. Listen, brothers and sisters, God don't want part of you. I'm going to spit my gum out. He don't want part of you. He wants all of you. In fact, I may get in some theological trouble here. I'm going to stop. I don't want my phone ringing off the wall tomorrow. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. You know, God says, I'd rather you be hot or cold. If you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. Judgment begins in the house of God. And I believe that judgment has begun in the churches of America, regardless of what denomination they call themselves, and that God is purging his people. He's sifting the wheat and the tares. He's separating the goats and the sheep. Why? Because he's got to fulfill his word that he says the church that he's coming back for is spotless. It's without spot or wrinkle. He's coming back for a people that is in love with him, that's looking and longing for his return, that are keeping their eyes upon the eastern sky. I ask you tonight to inventory yourself. Have you been looking for him? Are you anticipating with excitement and joy his imminent return? I ain't talking about lip service stuff. I'm not talking about the church that he warned would be in the last day where he says their lips praise me, but their hearts far from me. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the kind of people that will serve him in good times and bad. I'm talking about the kind of people like the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those three fiery uh, kids before they were thrown in the fiery furnace. Remember when he said, who is that God that is able to deliver you from my hand? They said, we're not afraid to answer you on this matter, O king. For our God can, our God will, but even if he don't, we're not going to bow down to that image. We are not going to follow the ways of the world. We're not going to follow the decrees and the systems of the laws of the land. We're going to obey God rather than man.
And I'm telling you, in the 21st century, in Caddo Bozier parishes, in East Texas, Panola, Shelbyville, wherever you live, I want you to know it's time that we take a stand for right things. It's time that we take a stand for holy things. It's time that we take a stand for the things that God puts his stamp of approval upon and that we quit worrying about what man thinks or what man says. And that I make my calling and election sure. And that if everybody else on planet earth goes to hell, I'm going to heaven. Now, I don't want everybody else going to hell. I'm like Jesus. He said, I would that none perish. I've already quoted it. He wants everybody to go to heaven. But everybody's not. Enter in at the straight gate. See, there's a gate, a broad gate. And many there be that find it. And that gate goes to destruction. There's a narrow gate, and few there be that find it that leads to eternal life. We've got to not be complacent. We've not to become lethargic. We can't be deluded, polluted, lip-praising, hard-hearted Christians. That's not who he's coming for. Mm. to him that knoweth to do good or to do what's right and doeth it not to him it's sin judge yourself it's time you stop it I done got totally away from my message. I got three points that I want to make for you to be sure that these are not showing up in your life. If they are, I'll never drink in front of you. I'll turn my back to you. But if these three things are evident in your life, you better crucify them. You better get rid of them because they'll end in you your demise. And it's simply this. In verse number nine, we see where Saul had a lack of obedience. He obeyed part of the way, but not all the way. You see, called, but Saul and the people spared Agag. God had given him a direct word. Kill them all. Now, I know what you're thinking. Why would a God of love say that? Blah, blah, blah. I told you he's a just God. Are you obeying what you know from God's word? Are you doing what you know to do? If you're not, you're going to be held accountable. It's that simple. Not by me, but by God. May I say this just as a, an extra for you. Partial obedience is actually disobedience. And we read in this passage of Scripture where to obey is better than any sacrifice. It's better than anything else we can do is to obey what God says, period. End of story. Whether it's politically correct, denominationally accepted, popular by, popular by the people or not. If God said it, 
In fact, I heard somebody say years ago, Ann, said, well, if God said it and I believe it and that settles it. Truth of the matter is, if God said it, that settles it whether you believe it or not. But if you want to be a, a, a recipient of his word, of his promises, of the good ones. Now, there's some bad promises in there, too. I want the good ones. But if you want to be a recipient of the good promises, you need to be obedient to his life. Obedience positions you for blessing. Obedience positions you for overcoming. Obedience positions you for victory. Obedience. We've got to learn how to follow before we can lead. One of my most dreaded statements was when I was in boot camp. And that drill sergeant would give the command left face and inevitably somebody was going to turn to the right. He'd say, you other left, dummy. <laughs> we need to hear the Lord tell us our other left. A little more regularly. Second point I want to make, we see in verse 15, and it was Saul's lack of accountability. You see, he blamed the others. He said, they have brought the people spared. But was not Saul the king the one responsible for carrying out what God had said? So he ultimately was held accountable, just like you are held accountable for your personal life. You're the one that one day will stand before King Jesus and hear him speak those words, well done, good and faithful servant, or depart from me, you worker of iniquity. You're the one that will give an account for your life. Thirdly, and I'll close, verse 13, we see where there's a, a lack of honesty on Saul's part. Because he lied to himself, he lied to others, and most importantly, he lied to God when he said, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Bang, wrong answer. But how many of us have lied to ourselves and said, oh, what I'm doing, it's okay. God is full of grace, and he is. But I've got to go back to he's a just God. He's a righteous God. And he's going to hold us accountable. Now he is gracious. And he's given us opportunity. And opportunity. And opportunity. To make things well with our soul. As Dustin sang a while ago. To make things right with him. He's given us time and time again. Mulligan after mulligan after mulligan, do over after do over after do over. But it's time we grow up and we stop being babes on spiritual milk and that we get on meat and taters. It's time we get a little spiritual intestinal fortitude about us to where we're not going to be swayed by every wind and doctrine that comes along, every storm, every trial that comes along in our life. We're not going to let it determine our level of spirituality, but instead we're going to determine the level of spirituality around me no matter what's going on around me. You have that choice to make. You have that ability and you have that power at your access. I do. Need I remind you that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. What it comes down to is a matter of your will. You're willing to let yourself 
be defeated. You're willing to compromise your standards. You're willing to dilute God's word. You're willing to let yourself be set up for failure. I want to know, I'll, I'll say one thing and then I'm going to close. I've got some cowboys uh, here in our midst that will understand what I'm talking about. John Wilson, you tell me if I'm wrong. You tell them if I'm wrong. Did you know before you can win a roping, you've got to be positioned to win a roping. You see, everybody starts out clean. We're at a five-head roping. If you, if you get your first cow down, you get a second one. But if you miss that first one, you don't get no more. You're done. Okay? You get the second one down, you get a third one. You get a third one down, you get a fourth one. You get that fourth one down, they typically at the U.S. Ropens will bring back like the top 30 teams for the finals or the short round or the money round. That's where everybody wants to be, ain't it, Philip? Money round. All this team's got to do is be 606 or faster to win $91,000. Boy, they jack that music up. Old horses prancing. You're nervous and you don't know whether to scratch or whine and you're worried is your healer ready. And I'm telling the truth. But before you get to them top 30, before you get to that pressure point, before you get to that short round, before you get to that money round, there were four other cows that you had to catch and get down to progressively move from round to round to round. And if you, it's a, it's a cinch. If you keep positioning yourself, if you keep getting in that short round, if you keep getting in that money round, it's just a matter of time before you can say, pay me, sucker. But if you don't ever make it to the short round, you ain't going to win no money. Same thing in Christianity. We got to keep overcoming. We got to keep our eyes focused on the prize. We got to remember why we're running. We got to remember what we're running for. We got to remember what we're fighting for. And we can't be easily offended. And we can't be easily distracted. And we can't be easily uh, uh, upset to the point where we turn away from God and don't obey what His Word says. Tonight, I want to just encourage you to, uh, hopefully, you've been grading your paper. And hopefully tonight, if, if you've been walking in disobedience, that you're ready to make things right with God and that you're ready to get back in step and you're ready to get to that place of obedience to what His Word has spoken to you that you've read or what a prophetic word that's been spoken to you has said or what He's spoken to you in the form of a dream or that you know that God has spoken to you. It's up to you to say, okay, Lord, I'll do it. Let me give you an example. What about forgiveness? There's so many things in the church of God that we think is for everybody else, but it don't apply to me. Might I remind you, the word says that if I'm at these altars to make a petition or request of God, and I remember that I have all against my brother or they have all against me, it don't matter who's right. It don't matter who's wrong. It doesn't matter what happened. What matters is I leave my request at the altar and I go and make that thing right and I say, forgive me, and that we embrace and that we're restored and that we're what God wants us to be instead of fragmented and torn and hurt and refusing to forgive and refusing to ask for forgiveness. That's the kind of examples I'm talking to you about tonight. Maybe you got family members. Y'all hadn't talked in years. You won't go to family get-togethers because all they do is Start trouble at Thanksgiving or whatever the case, or an ex-spouse or this or that. Fill in the blanks. You know the areas of your life that the Lord has convicted you about. You know the areas of your life 
where you've been remiss in doing what God has instructed for you to do. Would you bow your heads? You're here tonight and you just simply say, Dennis, I'm one of those children of disobedience. I love God. But like Saul, I haven't been obedient to what his word says. And I'm not going to mash you for the specifics of it, but if that's you, and the Holy Spirit is dealing with your heart tonight, you want to ask the Lord to help you with that so that you're not any longer partially disobedient, but that you're totally obedient. That you could I see your hand? Anyone, anywhere? Yes, yes, yes. Everywhere. Get them up. Yes. Thank you. This is between you and God. Get them back down. Maybe you're here and you're one of those people that, like Saul, you, you've wanted to blame your failures on everybody else. It was the people that brought those sheep and goat and oxen back here. It's everybody else's fault. Not mine, God, but tonight you're willing to say the truth of the matter is, God, is it is my fault. You cannot correct until you confront. And if you're in that place tonight and you say, Dennis, that's me. Could I see your hand real quick? Get it up. Get it up. Yes, yes. Get them up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Then maybe you're here in a place and like Saul, you've lied to yourself. You've lied to yourself so much and so good you're beginning to believe your own lies. You've lied to people. And you've tried to lie to God, but he, he already knows the truth. If that's you, could I see your hand? I want to pray for you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. See, his word is the truth. And he said the truth shall set you free. If you'll adhere to the true word of God, the truth will set you free tonight. But it's up to you to do. Now can I ask if there's anybody in this place tonight, you say, Dennis, I don't have the foggiest idea of what you're talking about other than I know this one thing, I'm a sinner. If I died, I'd go to hell. And that tonight I need to ask Jesus to forgive me of my sins. I need to be saved tonight. Could I see your hand? Anyone, anywhere, that's you. Just slip it up. Anyone, anywhere, quickly. Quickly. Holy Spirit dealing with you. I'm going to wait just a second. Anyone else? Anyone? You say here tonight, Dennis, I'm a, I'm a prodigal son or daughter. I need to make a new commitment to the Lord. I need to get some things right with Him. Anyone? Could I see your hand really quick? Get it up. I'm not going to belabor it. Anyone? Thank you, sir. Anyone else? Real quickly. Look up here at me, please, everyone. What you need, I can't give. What you need you can't do for yourself. What you need is to come to Jesus. Come to that foot of that cross and let your need and request be made known to Him. Now, He may speak some things to you about going making some things right. He may speak some things to you about whatever. 
But then you've got to get obedient and get in line with that. One that raised their hand tonight to make some things right with God, just to be sure you understand. You raise your hand as a prodigal. You know the importance of salvation. The word says, beloved, that's talking to the saved. I would that you sin not, but if you do, you have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus, our Lord. You see, he's your attorney. He's going to plead your case. And as we pray, you just ask him to forgive you, and you'll be forgiven. So let's pray, all right? Say, dear Lord Jesus, I'm that prodigal. And I recognize tonight I need to start over with your help. Heavenly Father, the world says I'm not worthy, but you say that I am. So I ask you to once again to forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me. Remove judgment from me. And let me walk in your grace with a sincere heart to know your will for my life and a committed and devoted effort to carry that out in the name of Jesus. Now, Lord, you saw many hands go up across this place for other things that we gather from the message Lord I pray for those that have been walking in disobedience that tonight God that they will realign I pray God for those tonight that have tried to place all of their failures on others that have raised their hand we, we recognize tonight that they're going to embrace responsibility for their life for those who have been living a lie pray tonight Lord that they get in your word so that they can be set free that word will set them free God we ask you to seal the commitments made here tonight by the power of your Holy Spirit. Indwell in us. Renew us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.